I wanted to start off by asking, you ran in 2020, just about a year later, you announced another run for Senate. What's it like turning around so quickly, and why do you think there will be a different outcome this time around? You know, I'm, I'm running for U.S. Senate um, really out of survival. You know, as I've, I've said in the past, that this is bigger than politics for me. Um, you know, this is personal. I, I come from the struggle. I've lived a lot of the challenges that a lot of politicians talk about, and Grand Paul doesn't even acknowledge exist. And, you know, I just genuinely believe that we can build the type of coalition across Kentucky to make poverty a thing of the past and to make sure that everyone can live a gainful life so that folks aren't rationing insulin like I've had to do or going without eating to take care of their children like my mom did for me. And, you know, I'm really inspired this time around because we laid the foundation for what's possible. You know, in that previous run, a lot of folks didn't think that a coalition of black, white, and brown Kentuckians from Pike to the Purchase could really organize and, and tell a story about unity and hope and even in the midst of a pandemic. And, you know, that fighting spirit is bigger than any one politician. And we're fighting to transform our future. And, and folks cannot stand Rand Paul. I mean, honestly, there is a, there's an understanding that our government is not working for us. And every time he opens his mouth, he's making a mockery of us. And so I'm excited about the momentum we're seeing early. Um, it's, we're seeing support from all 120 counties, um, raised a million total in the first day, uh, towards the primary, first 24 hours, uh, hit over a million total. And we know it's not about the money. It's about the excitement that folks have and, and our faith and building a vision. And, and we're ready to do it, man. I'm fired up. I, I want to talk more about your policy positions, but just one more moment on the politics of the race. Obviously, last year was the big race was the primary election. You were trying to top Amy McGrath. What do you think the difference will be if you make it past the primary election next year? Granted, it's almost a year from now, but how do you think that race will end up changing when you're running against the incumbent Republican instead of the well-funded Democrat? Well, you know, the... The message that I was lifting up uh, and what I've been pushing over the past, not only past year, but throughout my career, is that we can build coalitions from the hood to the holler and everywhere in between. Um, that opportunity to stand together, um, this isn't a new moment. This is a continuation of the work that's been happening on the ground that, you know, national media didn't see. And, you know, a lot of folks that are cynical about what's possible uh, didn't believe in. But, you know, standing with minors uh, in, the, in Appalachia and East Kentucky talking about a sustainable future and, and standing with, you know, small family farmers talking about how we address poverty and uh, make sure that every Kentuckian can thrive and have access to healthy food and, and, and dealing with community safety. You know, all the pain that we've gone through over the last year when Breonna Taylor's door was busted down and folks all, from all walks, all corners of Kentucky were standing together to call for justice. This is a continuation of that, of that story. Uh, we're telling the story about what's possible when regular folks are listened to instead of ignored. Um, and to me, being able to show that we can not only come together, but we can get ridiculous politicians out of office is powerful for our future because we need to build infrastructure at the local, state, and federal level. And so uh, we're going to blow Rand Paul out. You know, this is bigger than him. Uh, this is about us as Kentuckians fighting for our future, and we're, we're going to be unstoppable uh, if we stand together and the early momentum showing that Kentucky is already. So looking ahead to this race, what do you think the big policy issues will be, or what do you hope they'll be? Well, the, the foundation of my platform and my vision for Kentucky is making sure that we're not passing poverty down to the next generation. 
And, and I look at that in a holistic sense. And when everywhere I go across Kentucky, um, these same concerns are, are lifted up. You know, folks want to make sure that they can have food on the table, have a roof over their head, be able to afford their utilities. You know, we're seeing the stories, you know, in, in Martin County where uh, the utilities are being raised nearly 12% and folks are turning the faucet on and brown water is coming out. You know, making sure that we have sustainable infrastructure and uh, like internet broadband and, you know, making sure that folks have good paying union jobs. They have financial freedom, you know, to invest and own and, and create. Um, those are very fundamental for me. And the policies that I speak to that, that go to the core of us pulling up the roots of inequity are making sure that everyone has health care. You know, that's an economic policy as much as a health care policy. Financial freedom through uh, policies like universal basic income. Um, and, you know, dealing with not only um, saying that we need to address our climate crisis and how our industries are declining in Kentucky, um, but I'm going to be rolling out a vision that I'm calling a Kentucky New Deal. Uh, which will speak to addressing our, our environment, um, our sustainable infrastructure, um, building new economies, and also dealing with health in a holistic sense. And, you know, out of that, you know, we're, we'll be able to build the foundations of a strong society, a strong commonwealth. And, and then if we make democracy mean something, breaking down barriers to the ballot box, we'll have a new wave of leaders. And, and it all starts right now, and I'm excited. Uh, to do that work. You mentioned making sure everyone has access to health care. Do you still support a Medicare for All plan? Absolutely. Um, I, I fully support Medicare for All, and, and it's not because of the national political narratives. You know, I, I've told my story all over Kentucky of, you know, battling with type 1 diabetes and, and nearly dying because I couldn't afford my, my insulin. You know, I chose to make sure my daughters could eat uh, until my next payday and tried to stretch my insulin out and nearly die from it. And, you know, no matter where you are in Kentucky, you should have quality health care. And, and this pandemic showed, you know, if your health care is only tied to your employment, if you lose that job, you can lose everything. And um, I'm, I'm fighting for that. And, and the thing is, across Kentucky, the majority of Kentuckians agree, you know, we should make sure that everyone has quality health care. So um, that's going to be a central uh, tenet for me. So in your launch speech, you said you were counting down the days before they used the N-word about me. You said they were weaponizing hate. How do you think Rand Paul or whoever you were talking about in that statement are weaponizing hate? What we're seeing now in our politics, um, and it's, it's really painful um, to see it, we have politicians like Rand Paul that are choosing to stoke fear, uh, to weaponize hate, to use our, 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 our fears, our, cons our concerns, our frustrations against us. And, man, they're putting down uh, the dog whistles and picking up bullhorns. I mean, in my rollout, my launch, uh, Grandpa sent an email out right after I launched and said that uh, he's running against a racial left candidate. I don't even know what that is. And, and every time my name is brought up, Grandpa um, will say, well, he doesn't – I don't know who Charles Booker is, but he supports uh, – defunding the police and, and critical race theory and all these things, what he's really trying to do is distract people from the fact that he has done nothing for the people of Kentucky. He doesn't care whether we live or die. And instead of speaking the truth, instead of addressing the structural ills that we face so that our commonwealth can heal, he wants to shoo them away and, and fan the flames to keep us divided. And, you know, the people of Kentucky understand that structural racism exists. People of Kentucky understand that we have a lot of work to do to make sure that everyone can live a gainful life, everyone can be safe in their homes. 
So we're we're not playing that BS. You know, we see through the lies, we see through all his conspiracy theories, and we're going to get him out of office. Uh, this is about unity. This is about love. This is about us standing together as Kentuckians. And uh, we're going to beat hate. We're not just going to beat Rand Paul. We're going to beat hate. It seems like Rand Paul and Republicans plan to keep pushing on those issues of defunding police and reparations. Can you just address those issues specifically? Can you just address those issues specifically? Where do you stand on the policies? And also, if you don't think that this is the way the discussion should go about, how should it? Instead of talking about the fact that Kentuckians have fallen off the cliff, instead of talking about the fact that so many of our, our children are still living in poverty, uh, 20% of Kentuckians living below the poverty, poverty line, instead of addressing the fact that we criminalize poverty um, at disproportionately high rates in Kentucky, instead of talking about the fact that industries are declining and communities are being left behind, he is stoking fear over issues that aren't even controversial. Justice for every single person. It's not a controversial thing. And, you know, for me, I have built a career on talking about fully funding community safety, actually investing in community safety. My record is clear on that. I've done the work while Rand Paul's been talking about it. I was working with cities across the country to reduce gun violence to keep communities safe. And, you know, when it comes to the issue of reparations, Rand Paul doesn't care about making sure that Kentuckians are accounted for or that, that we address the ills from when our government has harmed us or robbed us or exploited us as Kentuckians. He's trying to stoke fears. And when you think about our history here, man, Rand Paul was the one person who blocked the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. The one person. I come from a long line of uh, generations here in Kentucky. Uh, my ancestors were enslaved in Kentucky. I've had ancestors lynched in Kentucky. My granddad fought for desegregation. These issues are not jokes. This is not something to just slap around for political expediency. And to stand up to say that we should account for the humanity of all people, that's what leaders do. You know, I've been talking about how we implemented co-severance funds to address the, uh, the decline in coal industry and, and folks in communities were getting left behind. We wanted to invest in them. And, you know, as the tobacco industry declined, we had these tobacco settlement funds that we would invest in communities that were directly impacted by the loss of this industry. That's what leaders do. And so we'll have a conversation about reparations and healing for every person in this Commonwealth. Rand Paul doesn't want to do that, uh, but we're going to get him out of office and lead for the future we deserve. Rand Paul, over the years, has touted his criminal justice reform policies. Do you think he's been an effective advocate for that? Rand Paul doesn't have a record. His, his record has been ignoring Kentuckians. Uh, he sees us as a step stool. He sees the people of Kentucky as, as a ladder that he can just put his feet on as he's climbing up to, to cozy with his rich friends and these big corporations that he's sold out to. Um, when he talks about issues, it's never because he actually cares about Kentuckians or that he cares about solutions or that he actually cares about reforms in our criminal justice system. He likes to hear himself talk. He thinks he's the smartest person in the room. He's a contrarian, uh, but he doesn't want to do any work. And so even when he is on the right side of an issue, when it comes down to actually doing something, he disappears. So it doesn't really matter what he says. Look at what he's doing. You know, when, when it comes down to it, um, he's giving tax cuts away to the wealthiest few. Um, he's blocking relief in the middle of a pandemic that would have allowed resources, that allows resources to go to our local communities, including law enforcement. Um, you know, on the issue of addressing no-knock warrants, um, which 
He has expressed that he would support. He's saying that racism has nothing to do with the ills in our justice system. He's not serious. And that's why the people of Kentucky are tired of him and really tired of these games and are looking for someone that will really speak to them, listen to them, and work with them. And that's what I'm going to do. Wanted to go back to 2020. Were there any lessons you learned from that campaign or things that will kind of drive you going forward? Um, I guess more broadly, besides looking at your campaign, are there any lessons you've learned from Democrats running statewide races in Kentucky? The biggest lesson that I learned, um, honestly, it was reaffirmed for me, is that in our politics, for us to have the type of leadership that we deserve, for us to actually see things change for the better in our commonwealth, we have to listen to the people. We have to prioritize people first. Uh, And we have to do the organizing that means that we go to those places that we've ignored and that we've abandoned and that we've counted out or we've taken for granted. If we do that deeper work of meeting people where they are, listening to them, and building up our common bonds, as I say, from the hood to the holler, you will see that the majority of Kentuckians are are ready to fight for change because our common bonds are so strong. And, you know, a lot of campaigns, you, you'll see a lot of money come into these races, and, and they, they go to, to ads and, you know, put a lot of, you'll see a lot of ads on TV, but we haven't built infrastructure. You know, we haven't lifted up the voices of regular people. And that's what I have always wanted to do just from my foundation growing up in the West End and understanding the importance of building community. And so in this cycle, um, we're going to double, triple, and quadruple our efforts to engage in communities across Kentucky. I don't care whether they um, have historically voted uh, Republican or haven't voted at all. Um, They are my family. And uh, when I go to talk to folks that are in eastern or west Kentucky that voted for Trump or had never voted before, and I talk about the issues that we're fighting for, they're not partisan, you know, and I think that's the biggest lesson that I've taken in, and and that's why we're going to shock a lot of folks. A lot of people don't believe that change is possible in Kentucky because they've been ignoring Kentucky. We're going to change that. Finally, wanted to ask, uh, Democrats haven't been very good at running statewide races in Kentucky for the last few years, at least at the ballot box, and that is with the exception of Governor Bashir in 2019. Uh, is there any lesson to be learned from that, and what's the reason you think they haven't done well, and how do you think that you can do better? Well, as we've seen, not only in Kentucky, and, and I give Governor Bashir a lot of credit for, uh, even in his campaign, um, you know, investing more in organizing to go to places that had been, you know, really ignored for a long time and starting the work of saying that we can we can lift up voices across Kentucky. Uh, you know, we can do the work of knocking on every door and talking to our neighbors. Um, we really need to invest more in that. Um, we've seen a playbook uh, typically from the Democratic side where, you know, our candidates sort of run away from the deeper structural issues. Um, like racism and inequity, um, and and don't really lift up a vision uh, for the future that meets the needs of where people are. Um, and you know the the thing about what we're doing now is there has never been um, a candidate quite like me um, that comes from the struggle, um, that has stood in the streets fighting for justice and stood in the halls of government wor- working in a bipartisan way. Um, that can speak about the ills of structural racism, but also talk about how we address it and heal together. Um, this is a powerful moment for us to do something different, uh, for us to, you know, not just 
play the same old political game that has allowed us to lose time after time. And and it's going to allow us to build a coalition of folks that, you know, that are registered Democrats that hadn't voted in a long time, um, are registered Republicans that, you know, realize that we need to make real change, and folks that have never voted at all. Um, this is a moment to do something different, and, and we will. We're ready. All right. Thanks a lot for joining me. I appreciate you, man. That's former Democratic State Representative Charles Booker, who's running for U.S. Senate in 2022.